0: Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with Netherlands based jazz bassist, composer, and educator Joris DePee. Arriving in New York in 1992 with just his bass and a suitcase, he took lessons with the great bass master Ron Carter quickly met many musicians and started to work quite a bit. A year later, he made his first CD. He talked about all of this and his newest 2019 CD and a great book included with it called In the Spirit of Rashid Ali. The free jazz and avant-garde drummer best known for playing with John Coltrane in the last years of his life was a member of the Rashid Ali Quintet for nine years, an experience that changed his vision on music. He has recorded 10-plus albums as a leader and established himself as a composer, record producer, educator, and a band leader, so get to know him and dig this interview, my friends. Speaking of wonderful, your book and CD... In the Spirit of Rashid Ali, is a really nice book. It's really well put together. And my first question to you is this. What inspired you so much about Rashid that you wanted to kind of do this in honor of him? We, we played together for like nine years, and we were in the middle of something. We were, The band was really
1: cooking, and all of a sudden, he passed away. So that was something that felt like it, it was unfinished. We were in the middle of, of developing the music together and, and, um, and artistically, you know, like really inventing things and so it felt like somebody had to finish that or, or at least continue that. After he died, it was I didn't really find any way to do that and it took uh, this many years to finally uh, make that step. Um, and kind of uh, show the world of, of what we were doing. And uh, no, I, I like to keep doing this and c- keep continuing uh, his legacy. Like the music he was, um, he, he stands for the ideas he was standing for, and the way he played is just uh, so inspiring and so different than other people. So it was a logical thing for me to do.
0: So do you think the, the part of him leaving suddenly and too soon was kind of akin to also John Coltrane?
1: Well, yeah, he said, like, if, um, if Coltrane would still be alive, he would be still his drummer. And I, I'm saying, like, well, if Rashid was alive, I would still be his bass player, because we were just so tight. You know, we, we really... Yeah, it was really a thing we had, and it was, we were a team.
0: for someone that had such an impact on you what did he teach you not only about music but about life
1: well that's a big question i think that to keep keep it maybe kind of compact well let's say before i met him i was of course already a musician for many years but i was always really focused on making the, the making the music the best i could and i think i was more mostly focused on on making beautiful music like and and making it perfect and, and nice and everything and in when i that really didn't work with him it was just it didn't really matter if uh, you play wrong notes or if, if if something strange would happen as long as you are honest about it so it was much more let's say like it was more about energy and about the feeling and the the, the the ideas coming and going then uh, that that was more much more important than um if the uh, if if the the, the maybe if, if there was a wrong note or if the if the rhythm would change or the tempo changes or something that if, if you feel like the tempo has to change then just do it you know that was his idea so that was really new to me and i mean of course um it doesn't mean you can just do anything you want, and it's always good. That that's that's not how he meant it. But you know, as we know, there's um, there's good and bad free jazz. Let's, let's say it like that. It's like it, it's still. He he knew uh, so much about the jazz history. When we were touring and uh, driving hours and hours in a van, he was always singing all the old Broadway songs, and he knew all the lyrics and even the verses to the songs. It was amazing how much he knew about the music, Um, and it was just um, very based on that knowledge of where he would uh, continue in music.
0: So, I want to get to the beginning of your life in the Netherlands. How did you get involved with uh, the bass, and and more specifically jazz?
1: (laughs) Well, I was not uh, involved in jazz until I was uh, uh, maybe almost 20 or 19 very, pretty late compared to uh, other people that I met later because my family was in classical music and, and there was no jazz around me at all. It just When I started playing music I kind of wanted to be you know as a as an adolescent you want to go against your your parents so so I started to play uh, blues and rock music and stuff and and it really didn't interest me so much I just coincidentally met somebody who played some jazz records for me, and I was like, oh, wow, this
0: is really very much more interesting. So it was just more, yeah, more interesting to me and something I wanted to get deeper into. Did you always have this desire once you started playing jazz to move to New York and become a professional musician?
1: becoming a professional musician, there was no doubt from the start that, that I wanted to do that. that. That was really, like, after maybe playing a couple of years, I was like, oh, this is what I want to do. It was it was From that moment on, I knew that this is what I'm going to do with my life. So that was very nice feeling, actually, because so many friends around me in, in school, they had no idea. They just went to do... Whatever, and I changed a couple years later to something else. And I always had a very clear focus that this was what I wanted. But the second part, like going to New York, that was not really an intentional thing that I did. I mean, I got, I graduated from college, music college, of course, in the Netherlands, and and just got a scholarship to go to New York for. months but when I arrived I met so many interesting people and I started working and making money and doing gigs um, I mean you know doing gigs and making money with gigs that uh, it didn't make sense to me to leave after four months after four months my scholarship wasn't finished but financially I could still stay stay a little longer and longer and longer and longer <laughs> until like you know, it became like 25 years instead of four months.
0: In the beginning, you started taking lessons with Ron Carter. That had to be a huge moment for you.
1: Well, yeah, the first time was a huge moment because it was like, wow, my my hero, like, right, life right in front of me. Uh, I was always, um, you know, like, since I played bass, I, I looked up to him and Ray Brown as two of my heroes and Paul Chambers of course but he wasn't alive at that time the the lessons were you know he's a he, the, the lessons we didn't click so much personally it, just, it didn't really I mean I was very impressed by um, the, the fact that, that I met him and that I could ask him questions and, but we didn't have a real click as persons so it didn't last very long I started just to be in New York and go around the scene and and meet a lot of people and that was really a lesson for me I went to so many concerts uh, and checked out so many different players and and that that was really where I learned a lot being around those people, talking to them being right there uh, at at the stage and then when I would be on the stage I was okay now it's my turn you know (laughs) It's like a lesson, like a pretty practical, hands-on lesson for me was to go to jam sessions and to go to gigs, to concerts in New York, at that time in the like, early 90s. The first, My first gig ever in America was at City Lights in Kansas City.
0: Oh, right on.
1: With with Brown Weinholz. Maybe you know him.
0: Yes, absolutely. Wow. I played
1: there City Lights with uh, Richard Ross. Do you remember Richard
0: Ross? Absolutely. In fact, Brahm. I interviewed him last year, and he talked glowingly about him and about coming over to America. And that's interesting. That's it's a small world, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I, I was in his in Brahms trio, and and Brahm and Jürgen, the drummer, they fell in love with Kansas City girls, and I went went home alone. He, they stayed there. And I went back to Amsterdam by myself.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I had no idea he had. He had told me the tale of coming over and staying and um, all of that. So, wow, that's 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 interesting. So, my question to you is this: Your first CD with Don Braden and Cyrus—that had to be kind of a dream realized, was it for you?
1: Oh yeah, oh, absolutely. That was after we recorded it and it was released, and I was like, wow. Um, what do I do now? <laughs> like, I reached my dreams, so. Uh, you know uh, what what's, What else should I do in life with my life you know for a while I was like, like really and actually that, that I still find that one of my best records and, and I and for years it, it took me years to see like okay the next record and the next record they also have value and and, and then maybe until the big band record I don't know if you check that one out but The York State Big Band, that that was finally a record. But now finally I made a record that that stands up to that standard because that first record was, you know, I don't know, I I was very happy with that.
0: So over the course of 10-plus albums, how do you view each successive album? Is it an evolution? Is it a stamp in time? How do you view all of these albums in your career? Yeah, that's a very nice question, actually, because I've been thinking about
1: that... um, maybe in the last four or five years more than, than, than in the beginning. Um, I think it's more a reflection of life, like, like you know, I like all the records um, and they're just in a different period of life. And um, the, the record, this one the, the In the Spirit of Rashid Ali I could never have made that 15 years ago, of course not, you know, so that's, that, that's a much more yeah, I don't know how to describe the differences, but maybe the the one with Cyrus and, and Tom Harrell—that's really a typical '90s sound and the way the compositions and the, the music—and and this is we really, really um, more uh, how can I say um, very mature. Just the the, the, just the current record is more like uh, seasoned, maybe. Or I don't know how to how to describe in, in words it doesn't make sense to maybe describe it, but the music tells me that it's a, a reflection of the period in your life let's, let's say it like that
0: absolutely yeah. what did you learn from being around the big musicians like the Sonny Rollins and, and those musicians that has helped you grow as a musician
1: music is something especially jazz is is, is, is still pretty young art form yeah it's kind of the best way to learn it is um, from what I just described. Like seeing other people do it, and then reflect on that, and then think about what you're doing, and then see if, if, um, if as as an artist yourself, you can give some meaningful contribution to it. And sometimes, um, you know, maybe it takes a, a little while just to you play gigs and concerts and with a lot of people and then of course this is all meaningful but um, to make a record like with a meaningful statement that's something that yeah kind of it's almost like you give birth to a baby or something like that you know it's like it's something that is kind of maybe not really uh, intentional but it just happens and then it's a lucky shot and it's, uh, everything comes together like as far as your artistic decisions that you make to, to to shape it
0: and my next question to you is this at this point in your career are you happy with where you're where you're at with what you've done
1: yeah I'm happy you know there's always that, uh, that there's so much more that I want to do that um, it almost feels like I'm worried if I you know I'm already in my 50s and I, I hope I have enough years to to uh, keep doing this because there's so much more that i want to do and that needs time that that's one thing the other thing is that uh yeah i feel great because i feel very fortunate that i've been doing it since what i've did this so far uh but it's been you know not always easy it's, it's been hard work and and but very satisfying so i, I think that uh, the the answer is that I'm happy with what I did so far and what I'm doing I'm worried if if I if I can do everything else I want to do and and sometimes I see like other people in my field they are very great great uh, inspirations to me so that keeps me going
0: you mentioned some of those live shows you saw early on in New York can you pick a few of them that really made an impact on you and really inspired you
1: well I used to hang out in, in Bradley's. I don't know if you've ever been there, it's not there anymore Bradley's, but just, it was a kind of an after hours bar where everybody would go after their gigs and uh, all the musicians would get together and, and hang. You could sit at the bar with uh, on the left side George Benson and on the other next right side Freddie Hubbard and just be talking to them. While on the in the in, while, uh, in in on the stage, Hank Jones Trio would be playing. You know, so there was like <laughs> some crazy uh, stuff. It's like almost being in, in heaven. That was very impressive. Also, um, some of the the I, I hang out a lot with uh, Peter Washington. He was a very influential person to me too. He was just a friend. He was actually two a couple years younger than me, maybe three four years younger than me so inspiring and such a great musician and, and nice guy so I went a lot hang out with him a lot went to his gigs and met a lot of people through him and then of course the the people that I started playing with such as Don Braden and, and, uh, and people like that so Peter Bernstein you know we were all young and, uh, and we are inspirational
0: to each other You've dedicated your life to jazz, and I want to know very simply why do you love jazz? <laughs>
1: <laughs> because it swings and it it it's, it's makes me happy. Yeah, it it's inspires me. It gives me it gives life to me, and I, I, I don't know how to live without jazz. Actually, um, although uh, one thing maybe that changed my life too was I, I have one son. He was he's born. Uh, he's only eight years old. And, when he was born, I was like, "Wow, that now there's somebody else on this planet that's more important than me and whatever I do and whatever." It's like such a miracle, like life, human life, maybe. So, I mean, I I, I validate that jazz is as important as it is. It's, there's there's other things in life that are important too. So,
0: if you at your age right now would run into yourself prior to the first gig you had in Kansas City and you could tell yourself and give yourself adv- advice, what would you say to yourself?
1: Well, I think I would encourage myself, like, wow, you, you know, you, you're doing uh, you, you're well on your way and, um, well, maybe in the first part of my career, like I said before, I was more concerned about doing everything right and studying everything to make sure I did everything right and and now that I'm older I'm much more thinking about doing everything with a big like making everything meaningful like whatever you do do it meaningful so that's maybe I could give myself that advice
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> that's a very nice question well everything's going to come down to this i got one more question for you and it's this okay. everyone in your life has a perception or an interpretation of you your family your friends and your fans but you know who you are, so tell me, who do you think you are?
1: I have enough confidence in myself to know that I have something to say and some message for, for to contribute to the to this art form and to the world. And on the other hand, I'm also, I'm very much, I, I could never do this without the inspiration and the, the lessons I learned from the people around me, such as Rashid and... and even like colleagues of my age, like Don Braden and, and Kevin Hayes and, and Pete Bernstein, people like that that I that I met throughout my career uh, and still meeting, still and even learning from students and from younger people how their their attitude is. So, yeah, and i I think that it's it's maybe it's a road that I feel I'm on and I'm not in the beginning of the road, but I'm certainly not at the end of the road. So there's still a lot to learn and um, a lot of stuff that, that I, I don't know yet. I don't do it right yet. And I still fight to, uh, to, to uh, keep going and make
0: things better and not never be satisfied and laid back. That's perfect. That's a great answer. <laughs> That's a great way to wrap everything up. George, thank you for taking some time out to talk about the latest album and your life in jazz, man. I appreciate it. Well,
1: I appreciate you calling me. That's really nice.
0: Thanks for listening and tuning in to yet another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in the Netherlands, Kansas City, and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to yours for his time, his music, and his stories. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store. Visit NeonJazz at YouTube.com. And for everything Neon Jazz, go to the NeonJazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz